everybody out there in podcast land. You have set your dial to combat sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing combat sports podcast. But we talk about MMA, we talk boxing, we talk kickboxing, we talk Muay Thai. We are always just a talking. Uh, we have some big news on the old MMA front that we got this week as MMA fans. Now, Dana White has told us that he is not holding not one, not two, but three events kicking off on May 9th in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, pretty amazing news. I, you know, again, I was kind of concerned as to how they were going to pull it off. I did watch some live pro boxing from Nicaragua last night where people were all kind of wearing masks and having a six foot separation in the audience. Is that how they're going to do it? Who knows? I don't know. You don't know. I don't know if they know, but we do have fights scheduled. So pretty incredible stuff to be in the, uh, in the mix of this sport right now, I'll be honest with you. So uh, we've got some great Twitter questions today. We've got a fantastic interview. Uh, Jordan Griffin, UFC 145, outstanding stud, has going uh, goes 10 rounds with us today. So really looking forward to that. But as far as the uh, Twitter questions, we know we got our girl, the queen of Twitter question reading, Drea at Drea underscore MMA. My dear friend, what is our first question on the show today? Okay, so the first question we have is going to come from oh. from Rings of Sweet Potato, right? Correct. Sorry. <laughs> um, as a professional yourself, which do you think is more appropriate for high-level pro fighters? Train continuously throughout the year, staying in shape and healthy, ready for a fight at any time, only having to do a weight cut for the fight, or Getting out of shape in between fights, not training regularly, only training for a specific fight, and not for general improvement of skills, getting in shape during camp and doing the necessary weight cut. Right, Rajan, that's a great question, my friend, as always. So basically, we're talking about people who just fight for a living. These are talking about the, the upper crust of the UFC, Bellator, uh, high-level boxers, people who literally their job is just fighting. Uh, because when you're like me or like, you know, 90% of the rest of the fight pro fighting world, you have to have a job, right, <laughs> as opposed to just being fighting. So if we're talking about just those who just fight for a living, uh, you have to stay in good shape throughout the entire year. You don't have to do the exact same kind of stuff that you're doing, like in a fight camp, whereas you're absolutely leading up to a specific fight uh, where your diet is so clean and where you're training multiple times a day with maybe one rest day a week. <clears throat> it doesn't have to be that but you definitely have to be in the gym every day. You definitely have to be working on certain things every day. Your diet supposed to be pretty clean. You can indulge a little here and there, but yeah, for the most part, for the upper tier guys, you've got to stay in really good shape all year. And then when it comes fight camp time, really rev it all up, right? Where, where the weight cutting has begun, where all of the focus is completely on the fight. Whereas when you're not in fight camp, you can kind of, you know, have a little bit of a leeway here and there and a few things, but yeah, definitely dude, you got to stay in it. You have to stay in it to win it the entire time. If you're one of those guys where your entire livelihood is based solely on your performance in uh, your combat sport and profession. So thank you very much, my dear friend up in the great white North of old Canada. And I know our next question, Dre, I don't want you to be confused. <laughs> uh, uh, comes from Pokemama91, our dear friend out in California. And what does Pokemama have for us today? What is going on with Hardy getting all this special attention? 
When has he earned these spots he's getting on these fight cards? Off the top of my head, Luke A. Price, Esparza, Watterson, and let's not forget Cowboy Pettis, too, should have taken this spot. I don't get it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the, as sad as it is to see once again, and it comes down to what what we all hate to talk about, but it really is the fact that with Greg Hardy's name comes controversy, scandal, whatever it is that makes him polarizing that has people want to talk about him, which unfortunately leads to buys and which leads to ratings and which leads to money. There is no other way around it. The, the sad part is he's not famous for just his football uh, prowess. He's not, he's, he's not famous for his NFL career. He's not famous because he's some great fighter. Uh, he's famous because he was a high-name pro athlete who had a terrible domestic violence, has a domestic violence past, and, and, that's, the, and that's the fucking thing, right? So people either want to see him get his ass kicked or people want to see him succeed, whatever it is. He is one of those polarizing figures that makes people talk that that sparks interest not just with hardcores and casuals, but people who don't even know the UFC very well at all. They're like, oh yeah, that's got that former, uh, you know, Cal- Carolina Panther and Dallas Cowboy who beat up his girlfriend. And it's a sad statement, but it's the truth. Now that being said, um, I know for myself, he is leapfrog over, you know, dozens of other fighters on his placement on cards. Yeah, for sure, Cowboy versus Pettis. For sure, Watterson, Esparza, Luque, and uh, Nico. It's bullshit, but that's the reason why it's disgusting. And like, 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 I want to be crystal clear about this. Every time Greg Hardy gets brought up and I end up talking about him, I've got something uh, I always like to say, which is, <clears throat> fuck you, Greg Hardy. I hope you finally get the beating you deserve, you scumbag piece of shit. <laughs> I feel better. Do you feel better? I like it. I, I like it, too. I feel much better. <laughs> so thank you, Pokemon, for asking that one. And uh, just real quick, one more. Fuck you, Greg Hardy. So our next question comes from my homie from the Split Decision Podcast, Big Phil, the MMA dude. What's Phil, the MMA dude, got for us this week, Drea? Hey, Rhino. Dana just announced that he'll be having three full cards during the week of May 9th in addition to 249. Do you like this news, or would you have preferred that he simply have weekly events after 249? I feel like three shows inside of one week is very excessive and potentially dangerous, but would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so I'm with you. I would prefer just to have a card like every Saturday as per usual. Um, I feel like there's this almost like a panic response. Like Dana might be worried about, well, Florida's open now. But will it close? You know what I mean? Is there a small window that we have to just jam as much content in as possible before there could be further, you know, uh, ramifications or, you know, possibly closing uh, outside events from coming in? You know, there's a whole lot of things that I think he might be panic responding to. But like I said, I I would prefer I don't know how much danger is involved in it. Um, So there should be enough time between the at least between the. Uh, the ninth show, the 16th show to have everybody get tested from the show, make sure that nothing was spread and nothing was brought out. And like I said, the Nicaragua show last night, the way that that was presented was pretty impressive, to be honest. Everybody really took their six foot um, social distancing seriously. Everybody was wearing their masks. Most people were wearing gloves. It was actually pretty well put together. And this is the UFC we're talking about, not some 
uh, smaller pro boxing organization in Nicaragua. So if they take all these precautions, I don't think it becomes more dangerous. Um, but like I said, just because of I think there could be a worry that we don't have a full window of this going to be able to move forward from here on out with whatever show they want. I think that's why we're getting the three in one week. Like how many people are, I'm kind of curious is how many people are going to be allowed to be in the arenas? How many people are being allowed to be participating in the media and the, you know, all the production and the medical staff. I'm just, I'm really, I'm really curious to see how that's, that's kind of going to go. So, um, but yeah, like, like you, man, I, I would much rather see just on Saturdays, but I think that's possibly the reason why we're getting uh three in one week. So thank you very much. If you guys haven't checked them out before, definitely check out the split decision podcast, uh, Phil, the MMA dude and the fight geek. Really, really great show. Really fun listen every time that they're on. So thank you, my friend, for participating again this week. And I know our last Twitter question comes from my main homie, Serious King, my food aficionado, the guy who puts all those yummy and delicious things on the old timeline and makes me so happy. What does Serious King have for us this week? Do you think Tony and Habib will ever fight? If you do, what are the odds? Right now, I say 50-50. Oh, Cyrus, Cyrus, it's it's such a it's such a like soap opera. This whole thing, man. Like they could do a thirty for thirty just on the Habib and Tony saga. I think at this point, to be honest with you, it comes down to what happens between Tony and Justin. If if Tony loses to Justin, I don't think they're gonna fight. It pains me so bad to say. Habib has come out and said several times in the last year he's only got a very select few handful of fights left before he wants to retire. I, do I think Tony and Habib need to fight? Yes. Do I think it will make all of us feel better? Yes. Do I think Habib has that same like need to fight him? No, I don't really think so. Um, I think Tony might. But, you know, let's just say that for, for argument's sake that Gaethje beats Tony, I don't know if they fight. So, yeah, I'd say I'm 50-50. I'm right there with you, my man. So, yeah, we all want to see it. We deserve to see it. They they deserve to have it with all the times it's been canceled and all these things that have postponed it and rearranged it and everything else is unbelievable. But, yeah, I'm with you. I'd say 50-50, dude. So I hope they do. But I'm not so sure. So, Cyrus, thank you so much, dude. I hope you're doing well up there in New York, my main man. Uh, keep that food porn coming on the OTL because you know the Rhino loves it. So, we have now cruised our way into one of our favorite segments, Drea's Drop of the Night. Now, get get you know get happy that she's like scouring the internet for the good drops of the night right now because in a couple of weeks we're gonna have live ones, right? So she's gonna go pick from, but we're still on the old looking for the best of the best from the history of time. So Drea, your drop of the night this week is what, my friend? Okay, so I recently had saw a clip on Twitter that. Uh, came from Arturo Gotti, and it kind of got me interested because I wasn't that familiar with the boxer Arturo Gotti. I mean, I'd heard of him, but never really watched many of his fights. Um, so I started looking into him and found some clips of, of some crazy knockouts that he had. And I'm going to go with Gotti versus Gamash. Um, it was actually a very controversial knockout but oh my god was it a drop um this fight happened back in 2000 and uh honestly Gotti had actually knocked him out twice in this fight the first round he was basically saved by the ref he kind of caught him but it was right at the bell so 
he went on to go to the second round, and in the second round, it was just a basic, he knocked him out. He hit him with an uppercut, and he was out on his feet already, and he caught him with two more two more punches, and he fell to the ground, and he was completely out. So I'm going to go with that um, really old one, really controversial one, but holy shit, was it a drop. <laughs> Arturo Thunder Gotti doing Arturo Thunder Gotti things. Yeah, for those fight fans who are not familiar with and who don't listen to boxing much or watch boxing much, the, the trilogy between Arturo Gotti and uh, Mickey Ward is one of the best in the history of boxing. And, uh, you know, rest in peace, Arturo Thunder Gotti, man. What a what an entertainer. What a great fighter. What guts and determination you showed. What a great drop of the night to pick, Drea. So thank you so much. So, Andrea, uh, yeah, definitely we we have uh, cruised through our Twitter questions today. Thank you so much for being a part of this segment and your awesome drop of the night this week. And we will talk to you next week. All right. See you next week. Thank you. All right, folks. Now we're going to move on to our calling questions. We have a first-time calling question from our homie, Jason Scott Adams, at Jason Scott Adams. And, Jason, what do you got for us today, my brother? Hola, Rhino and the gang. It's a, this is Jason Scott Adams coming to you from Kansas City. I guess I'm upgrading from written questions to verbal ones this week. Uh, my question to my heavy metal friend Rhino is actually about boxing and actually is in two parts. Uh, number one, what are your thoughts on Dana White expanding in boxing? I really don't know much about what's going on with it right now, but I do like the idea. I think uh, he can bring something to the sport. And two, I was a Mike Tyson freak back in the 80s and 90s, uh, like everybody else, and uh, I paid the pay-per-view money for the 45-second fights. But um, but these days, what heavyweight boxer should I be excited about now? I mean, I tend to gravitate towards Tyson Fury, of course, but I need to get back into it after the pandemic dies down and boxing picks back up. Um, as you know, I'm a huge fan of the podcast and, and the crew, so please keep it going, and uh, I'll see you guys on Twitter. Dude, I love that idea of Dana getting getting the boxing going, the super boxing going. I think it could provide matchups that we've never seen before. I think that there will be kind of like, you know, pressure of another big guy on the block being like, no, we're going to do this fight. We're going to have this guy and he should come over. There's a lot of fun capability when you have another person with that kind of money and that kind of, you know, clout in the combat sports world, getting into the mix. Boxing has a lot of old kind of what you would call like a, like the old guard and he would be some new fresh blood in there making some shit happen. So I'm all for it. I don't think it's his priority, especially right now. Um, we've got to get through the health crisis. We've got to get the, the UFC back on track. <clears throat> but once that happens, dude, I think Zufa boxing, we're probably only a year or two away from him becoming a real player. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And so as to your, as to your second part of your question, Jason, a hot prospect in the headweight division uh, to keep an eye on is Daniel dynamite Dubois out of England, dude, 14 and 0. Great size, great power, but he's got a huge test in his next fight against another hot prospect, Joe Joyce. So I say, I'd say both of them are really good prospects. I think Daniel is the favorite. I think he's the one who could do the most damage later on. We get it like the championship level, but look for the winner of that that fight between Dana Dubois and Joe Joyce to be a real player down the road in the heavyweight division. So. Very cool, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for including a little boxing into the uh, show. I always love when fans do that. And, uh, dude, I, I love having a new metal friend on Twitter. So a new metal guy to uh, shoot 
shoot back and forth metal content, metal music content with. Very awesome, my friends. So thank you so much. Our next our next question comes from the big homie Jim Asood. And we all know it ain't a combat sports rider show without the big homie Jim Asood participating. So, Jim Asood, what do you have this week, my man? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Ryan, I'm a man. How we doing, big guy? Andre, the whole crew. Um, I got a question for you to do with this uh, UFC 249 on May 9th. Mine is uh, Pettis and the Cowboy fight. I think Pettis is probably going to win this one. But what do you think is next for Cowboy? Win or lose? You know what I mean? I, I just don't know if he's going to win this one, honestly. But that's my question for you. Win or lose, what's next for Cowboy? Keep up the great work. We love the content. And it's always 420. Peace. Yeah, I've got to agree with you, Jim. The I've got Anthony winning this fight also. I, as most people know, Anthony won the first fight, uh, which doesn't necessarily mean anything, but to me it kind of does because that was when Cowboy was still in the uh, prime of Cowboy. Um, of course, Cowboy has a chance, and he could tap into the, you know, one more go around Cowboy and, you know, catch him with something. But I really think the vast majority of the time, Anthony Pettis wins this fight. I think Anthony is going to win when they get after it. Um, he can just win anywhere, and he's so fucking good when he's on, right? Anthony Pettis, I'm referring to. For those of you who know, that hurts me to say I'm such a Cowboy fan. Him and Chuck Liddell are probably my two favorite fighters of all time in mixed martial arts. Well, him, him and Fedor. Um, I love Cowboy. I love everything he stands for. I love his short notice, anytime, anywhere, any place kind of a guy. Any any one kind of fight, step up anywhere, dip in hand, hit <laughs> Shaw in his Shaw on his lip, ready to rock and roll. I, I love the guy, but I just feel like he's been he's been taking too much damage as of late. I feel like his. We've seen the we've seen the best, right? The best is in the rearview mirror, and I think if he loses this fight, particularly by stoppage, I, I would lean towards him probably retiring. Whether or not he's going to do that, I doubt it. But if I had like if I was his manager or I was his close confidant, that would probably be my. Uh, that would probably be where I would want him to go next would be kind of hang him up. I doubt he's going to do that. But, yeah, I definitely see Pettis winning. And if Cowboy loses, he'll probably try to fight another time or two. But for me, my, my hope would be that if he does get finished, that he hangs him up. So, Big Jim is soon. Another homie from old Canada. My, my dude, I, I really appreciate it. And very cool, uh, very cool video you posted there from Niagara Falls. Very awesome, bro. I really appreciate seeing that. So uh, stay cool, my friend. And you're right, it is always 420. Our next question comes from my guy, Dave Fretz. Dave Fretz, if you guys don't already know, check out Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram or at Solo Shoes. If you want to get your shoes, have some custom designs put on, like the, the likes of which you've never seen, you go to him and he will take care of you. He's the eyesight of graphic design, my main guy. And uh, what does he have for us this week, D-Rains? Hey. Hey. hey, what's up, Rhino? Hey, Rhino, this is Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz, not Solo Shoes, on Twitter and Instagram. Hope you're doing okay, man. Really looking forward to the interview this week and the show. Got a question for you today regarding the bantamweight division in the UFC. And I'm just wondering, <clears throat> with everything going on here, if you see anybody in that division 
that's going to be able to stop uh, Petrion. Uh, I don't think, uh, in my opinion, uh, even Henry Cejudo is going to be able to do anything to stop Jan at this point. Um, yeah, I just think that guy's way too dynamic uh, and too tough for anybody else to uh, um, put a stop to. Anyways, just curious. Check out Judah with the swag, dude. <laughs> Sup, Rhino. Well, what's up back to you, my man Judah, the combat sports with Rhino mascot with the most, my little brother. Uh, Dave, to answer your question, I'm with you, dude. Petra Jan is the absolute future at 135. Uh, I, I do want to see him fight Aljo because I think they have, like, they're like the two next crop of top, top, top tier guys at 35. But I still think Petrion gets it done probably like seven out of ten times against Aljo. I would kind of root for Aljo because I like him better. And I love hearing Matt Sarah say things like, like, get off the get off your back, Aljo. <laughs> but as far as skill to skill, Petrion is fucking, he's the future, man. He's the absolute toughest guy at 35 that I've seen so far. He has no weaknesses that I've seen. He's good on the feet. He's good on the ground. He's good everywhere. And he has like that stoic Eastern European fucking demeanor to him, which always seems to serve guys well when it comes to the top level of uh, combat sports. So yeah, I'm with you, man. I think Petrion is looking at kind of a, uh, he's going to get a title shot soon. He's going to win the title and he's going to, he's going to have a pretty long title reign. So thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, your posters, man, they're just the best. So thank you so much again, my boy, D. Fritz. Now, without further ado, it's time for everyone's favorite segment, 10 Rounds with Rhino. This week, I have got the 145 badass mofo out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the native psycho, Jordan Griffin, coming off of his huge win over T.J. Brown at UFC Norfolk. Uh, what a great interview. I can't wait for you guys to hear. So without further ado, check it out. 10 Rounds with Rhino with Jordan, the native psycho, Griffin. Ladies and gentlemen, the Combat Sports with Rhino fans, we have got quite the treat for ourselves today. My guest on CSWR is none other than the incredible, talented, diverse 145er out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Jordan, the native psycho, Griffin. How are you today, sir? I'm good. And yourself? Oh, dude, I'm fucking excited. I'm real stoked to have you on. I, uh, I've told the audience knows, too, is that my gym, where I've trained at for many years, is a Rufus affiliate, but I've never had a Rufus fighter on here. So, dude, you are my inaugural one, and I'm stoked to have you. Hell yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Very cool, man. I really appreciate it. So, uh, Jordan, we're going to go ahead and dive right in. Um, so, what I love to ask most of my guests is, what was their introduction in MMA? Like, what was the thing that really got you into the sport from the beginning? Uh, I started wrestling like senior year in high school and then I met somebody and their uncle actually, you know, I, cause it was senior year. I was like, man, I really liked wrestling. Um, you know, I, in my head, I was like, it's time to be an adult now and go to college and stuff. And, uh, you know, I met somebody and they said, oh yeah, you know, my uncle's into MMA. I said, what's MMA? And I met this guy and he was like, yeah, MMA is, it's pretty much wrestling, but you get to punch people in the face. So uh, from there, I just trained. I, I, did, I wasn't even thinking about fighting. I think like maybe three or four months in, uh, my trainer at the time, Adrian Serrano, he's like one of the first people to, to actually fight in the UFC. He fought at like UFC 27. Uh, wow. he, uh, yeah, he, he was like, hey, you want to fight, kid? And I was just like, fight. And I just said, yeah, and uh, start fighting from there. 
That's incredible, dude. So how did you link up with Rufus Sport then? Uh, I So maybe a year or two had gone by. And uh, so I'd only been fighting for like a year or two. Not even. Like, like I feel like it was like a year and a half. Um, I was okay. 19. And um, uh, Anthony was about to fight for the world title, the WEC world title. I was 4-0 and as an amateur. And Duke had contacted, um, had contacted Adrian about bringing me in to spar Anthony because I was the same size as Ben Henderson. And, uh, and I was a Southpaw or, and I'm a Southpaw. So right. uh, I, I've known, I've known Anthony, the Pettis brothers and Duke and all them since I was like 18, 19 years old. And, uh, and then, yeah, I, that's when I had started training with them on and off. And then I jumped around a bunch of gyms and I finally just ended up at Rufus Sport. Yeah, that's, a, that's incredible, man. Now, so I've seen you finish uh, guys in so in such a variety of ways, Jordan, uh, many fighters, uh, that you've come across. I mean, I've seen you win by amazing strikes from submissions, all things. Do you have a finish of yours that kind of sticks out as like, fuck, man, that's on my highlight reel forever. Uh, I love that fucking finish. Is there one that really sticks out for you? Uh, I got a man. I had, yeah, again, I, I've had a couple. I think maybe just that LFA one where I got that sneaky arm bar in there. I was oh, yeah, dude. The leg lock. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I think that one's like a forever, like I didn't even see it. Um, the dude is fucking strong as shit, and uh, I, I just tend to just kind of roll with the go with the flow. And uh, professor was like, "Arm, arm!" And it, it literally, I looked looked at him. He said, "Arm," and I looked back and I just grabbed the arm. It was like so slow motion, and I was like, "Oh shit, I have it!" <laughs> I just I tugged <laughs> away at it and I got it. So I was like, "Damn, <laughs> that is so cool, dude!" Yeah, like I said, for for those fans who are not too familiar with um with Jordan's younger career, just check him out on YouTube. There is just a slew of interesting and cool finishes that he's been able to pull off. So definitely check those out. Uh, so definitely, um, you're still a very young guy, Jordan, uh, but you have a ton of in-cage experience, you know, 18 and seven. That's a, that's a long time. That's a guy much older than your record typically. Right. So yeah. you have a lot of experience in the cage. If you right now, cause like I said, you're still a very young guy. If you could text you five years ago, how, what would you tell the U of five years ago to focus more on as far as training goes? Man, as far as training goes, I'd say just stay yes. on track. I'd say maybe just stay, yeah, just stay on track, just keep training. Um, <coughs> I, I really wouldn't know what to, what to tell myself, man, because I've been on the same thing for, for so long. You know what I mean? Like even five years ago, sure. five years, five years ago, I was king of the cages, like Bantamweight world champion. And I owned, I had like multiple titles in different organizations. So it was just like, um, I think the, the delay for me getting into the UFC was just life and, you know, getting over life obstacles. And, um, I, I feel like everything happens for a reason. So, uh, you know, I, I, I got out of my funk and I, I really was able to put some things together. And when I came back out of what, what most would call a retirement, um, I, I was able to, to really fix, you know, fix things, fix myself, you know, emotionally and physically. Sure. Too. So, yeah, yeah, that, no, that's fantastic. And that's, you know, maybe that's something that uh, a lot of people can, I know for sure that a lot of people could relate to. And, you know, when, uh, you know, I've had Juan Adams on here and I've had lots of guys that talked about that aspect as well. It's, uh, you know, most of us who are fighters try to try to bring that across and how much more mental it is than physical, but it's, it's really hard to articulate that, to get that across. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, so switching gears a little bit, Jordan, we have <laughs> for question five, 
Jordan, my beard is cool. All right, I have a cool beard. I've got like a Dimebag Daryl Pantera beard. Your beard, however, is glorious. Do you plan <laughs> on keeping this beard for the duration of your career? Is it bothering you? Is it okay? Is it so it's funny you say that because I, I I was literally just telling my girlfriend I was like I'm uh I was gonna shave the whole beard down and I was gonna get like a like a side like a like a like 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 leave the mustache and then leave a little like go not a goatee thing where it's right underneath your lip. Is it a goatee? Oh my god! Yeah. No, it's oh shit. The it's oh dude, I don't remember right now. But yeah, it's like right underneath exactly the lip. About. Like the goatee is when it's all the way around, kind of. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's just the mustache and then the little thing right underneath my lip. And then I <laughs> I, I I grew my hair out and I can my hair's long enough now where I can actually slick it up and like into a ponytail but like straight up so i have this weird like like up like samurai you ever seen samurai jack the way his hair is like of course up? i have yeah like, absolutely yeah, like i have this weird samurai jack thing going on right now and uh i'm just kind of <laughs> running with it but i like yeah dude i think i'm gonna keep the beard because i've tried to shave it before and i've tried a couple of like like handlebar mustache and like all this other stuff but i look funny in all of it so I feel like the beard is just, it's on point right now, and I just got to keep growing it and have fun with it, you know? If my vote counts for anything with you, sir, I vote <laughs> to keep the beard because it is a goddamn beautiful specimen you got there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, moving forward from that, you're very tall with a super long reach. Now, keep in mind, I'm a 6'1", 280-pound heavyweight. My reach is 74 and a half inches. You yep. are a 5'10", 145-er. Your reach is 74 and a half inches. Do you see at any point um, moving up, you know what I mean, as you get older, maybe make it easier on yourself for a weight cut, or are you pretty happy Yeah, 45 and you think you're just I, uh, Yeah, I had talked. I had talked to Duke and talked to my manager about moving up. Uh, <coughs> it's just, uh, I guess it's just a mindset thing, too. And, you know, I was cutting weight for so long and in so many different ways, but then you make it to the UFC – and they help you cut weight the whole time. So they give you everything, the type of food. They tell you what to eat. They tell you what you should be doing. Uh, this last weight cut actually wasn't that bad, but it is. it does take a toll on my body. So I think, um, you know, it's nice that I got a little bit of money now and I can actually really focus on, like, my fight camps and, and just 100% training. So uh, I, I definitely want to dip my toe into the 155-pound division. And we'll see what we can do in the next five years. You know, even in the next five to six years, I think I got another 10 years under my belt, to be honest. But I got to You got to treat yourself right. And I got to play all the sure. moves. So uh, I, absolutely. I don't want to throw, throw, you know, I don't know Clay Guida personally, but you just see that a guy like that, his career. And it's like, I don't want to fight like him. You know what I mean? He has exciting yeah. fights. Fuck, man. He he got just torn up. It's just like, holy shit. Right. You want to have a quality of life later on down the road. I completely understand. Definitely, that. definitely, man. I want to speak. I want to I want to be able to to follow through with complete sentences. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, you know, I have, I've had a much longer career than I anticipated in the pro ranks. Like my pro debut was in 09. You know what I mean? And I'm still going. Yeah. So um, nice. but again, I, I worry about that very same thing. We all should. We should. It should all yeah. be a factor in what we think about how long we want to go. You know, your mental faculties are very important to all of us. So it's yep. definitely a contributing factor into that decision-making for sure. Um, so switching gears to kind of a, an obscure question, but one that I've always wanted to ask somebody, but I haven't for whatever reason. Do you remember the first time you actually met Dana White face-to-face -face and how that encounter went? 
Uh, yeah, I met him. Uh, well, it's like it's weird. It's like I haven't actually had a conversation with him yet. But I just remember like when I shook his hand for the first time after I won my fight. I just I literally said in the pre-interviews, I was like, I'm gonna win my fight. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna finish this dude, and I'm gonna walk over to Dana White and Sean Shelby and uh, and uh, what what's the other guy's name? Mick Maynard. Mick, 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 yeah, Mick Maynard, and I'm gonna shake their hands. And that's what it li- literally exactly what I did. I won. Uh, I saw Duke Rufus when I came out. I gave my family a hug. I gave Duke a hug. And I walked over to the table and I shook Dana White's hand. And I said, hey, thank you for the opportunity. And that was it. Um, and then Dana had came in and he um, he talked to all of us, too, like one time. And he was like, okay, have a good night, guys. And then he walked out. <laughs> and I was like, uh, you know, I was like, uh. <laughs> but, right. uh but, yeah, but no, he, he, I mean, he seems like a cool guy and. It's amazing what he's been able to build. You know what I mean? Like I was watching UFC well over, you know, I don't even know how long UFC has been around, but I just know when I was a kid, like the first UFC fight I saw was Chuck Liddell versus Randy Couture. And like I, you know, who would have known? You know what I mean? So. Sure. No, that's definitely one of those things where I I can completely relate. Um, in, In the boxing world, I had the exact same experience with Emmanuel Stewart. I mean, legend of of trainers for especially in detroit but around the world then he was on uh, commentating on hbo for a long time and it's had the same deal man where i went up to him shook his hand i said hello he said hello and then he immediately like turned to my left and started talking to somebody else and i was uh, was like one of those situations like i was in awe of him right so very very (laughs) cool man (laughs) um yeah like i said jordan you're you're as well-rounded and literally as well-rounded as it gets in the entire 45 pound division, if not the entire promotion. But if you could like snap your fingers and be twice as good at any one aspect of MMA, what would you choose? Uh, it would definitely be wrestling. Um, my ground game, it's funny because I have like a, I actually didn't start out in jujitsu. I started out underneath it, you know, Adrian Serrano and like uh, his whole gym was like submission wrestling. So that's how I was told. It's like, yeah, we're teaching you submission wrestling. I had no clue what jujitsu was. I actually didn't get into a gi till a couple years later, and uh, but um, it was like I had a very strong, like dominant wrestling game because I didn't know anything. So I would grab people and I would just hold onto them so tight. And uh, right. and as I learned jujitsu, I loosened up so much, and I started doing stuff like giving my back up. But it was because I knew I could get out and like just all the stuff. And now I'm circling back around and I'm working on being more dominant, not giving my back up. Uh, just staying more dominant on people and punching, and uh, it's it, things are coming around. Um, I got Rafian Stotts in my gym. You know, he's a two-time yeah. NCAA champion in wrestling, and that dude really knows. He's really been able to um, transfer and translate, like you know, the differences from from coming to, uh, from wrestling into MMA, and uh, just seeing his insight on things is is amazing. And then I have uh, my professor, Professor Wanderlei, and he's you know a three-time uh, he's a he has a, a third degree black belt in jujitsu under Carlson Gracie Jr. out of Chicago. So then that dude's been in everyone's corner, you know. So yeah, he's awesome. He uh, he cornered Stefan Bonner back in the day, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, uh, and uh, Miguel Torres. Hey, Miguel Torres, right out of yeah. Chicago, Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and Miguel <laughs> Torres. I mean, he's really been around the block, and uh, having him in my corner is, you know. It's it's very helpful. All my coaches, man, they're all they're all great, and um, I think it's uh, it's right now. I'm kind of at a point where like I'm weird. Like if you tell me I can go out there and I can choke this dude out, and he could be like a a black belt 
and whatever, like I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to hundred percent believe I can, I can, I can choke him out. And if you tell me I can knock a dude out, I'm going to hundred percent go out there. He could be a golden gloves, but I'm going to hundred percent go out there and fucking attempt to knock him out. And, uh, I just feel like, uh, my coaches have so much confidence in me that, <laughs> that they'll, they just, they all tell me stuff and I'm just like, okay. And, uh, right now I'm in that, that point where I need to start breaking down what I want to do and not listen so closely. They're there to advise me and tell me, you know, maybe, you know, suggest, make suggestions, but I have to start making clear decisions. And I feel like that's a big thing that I've realized this last year and it's, it's paid off, you know, especially with this last win. Yeah, 100%, dude. That's one of those things that only comes with uh, time. That level of trust, it takes time and experience, and then the people proving to you that they have your best interest and they have your best game plan in mind in order to just yeah. listen and be like, you know what, they're right. You know, without even yeah. hesitating or second-guessing. Yeah, that's amazing, dude. <clears throat> what a lucky, yeah, what a lucky, cool uh what a lucky cool thing for you, dude. So, uh, Jordan, now you are, we are moving into the 10th round with Rhino. Now this for all my listeners, they know this is my weird question, bro. This is my <laughs> out of the box. Fucking, you got to put your thinking weird cap on and, uh, get, really get into this. So, um, so the MMA version of big brother has just dropped. Um, the first crew of people have already been evicted from the house. Now there's just you and five other pro MMA fighters left in the big fucking brother house of MMA. You've got to pick five dudes who you're going to be stuck in this house with, house with for the foreseeable future. Jordan, who are these five guys who are oh, going to have to be man. breathing in their, their stank breath and why are their gross socks all over the floor? Five dudes you got to deal with for a while. Wait, are am I fighting them or are we just kicking it? No, 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 no. You're just living together, dude. There's no, oh. not, not, not a tough house like a big oh. brother house, dude. Okay, okay. So I, I'd probably <clears throat> say like Sergio Pettis, um, Sergio Pettis, Elias Garcia, that's Sergio's cousin, uh, Manuel Sanchez, uh, um, Rafian Stotts, and Christian Rodriguez. Oh, Christian man, Rodriguez is an up and comer. Yeah, he's an up and comer in in LFA, and uh, he he made his pro debut in Bellator. Dude's a beast. So I'd probably kick be kick it with those. I'd probably kick it with those guys. What uh what weight class is Christian Rodriguez in? He's a one thirty five or one forty five. Oh okay. Okay. Yeah, and we're, we're a... all around the same size too. Even though even though uh even though fucking uh, uh Sergio is a one thirty five er, that dude walks around like one seventy. So it's wow. <laughs> And he has a reach like he like I swear I'm always talking to him about that because I could fight short dudes, tall dudes. You know, usually you fight a tall dude, they got a little bit of a reach. You fight a short dude, they don't know, you know, they don't have that much reach. They got short reach. Him, he's shorter than me, but he fights so lengthy that he yeah. can't hit me and I'll throw and I got long arms and I'll miss he yeah, hit yeah. me again. And I'm like, God damn it. It's Fucks me up every time I spar him. It really that's, fucks me up. <laughs> that's so hard to that's so hard to believe, man. It, with a seventy four and a half inch reach, you got somebody shorter than you who can even outreach you. That's insanity. It's um, crazy. It's crazy though, because I've done it too. Where like, well, what was it? King of the cage. King of the cage measured my arm length, and it came out to seventy four and a half. And then LFA, I think, measured me, and it was like seventy. It was seventy three. And I was like, okay. I was like, I don't even know. So when people ask me, I don't, I don't know what to ever tell them. I just tell them like 73, 74. Like, but I know I got long I arms. I know I got long arms. Yeah, I was going to say, I stick, with, I stick with topology, man. Topology has you 74 and a half. 
I'd oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's I was gonna say, one. I know, I know they're long because I've, I've like gone it, like measured up against guys who are like six two, and they're like, damn, your arms are like just, just as long. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess. Exactly. But I, yeah, so <laughs> very cool, man. Well, yeah, Jordan, you have, you have hammered through ten rounds of the rhino, my man. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 so again bro i really again i really really appreciate you coming on that was that was fucking awesome it was too funny too because you know i messaged you a while back and we were trying to kind of figure out a good time to do it and you were like you're like yeah dude how's 8 30 i'm looking at the clock and it's at 905 and i'm like uh i'm confused <laughs> so, and i didn't realize that even though we're only one state away we were on different time zones dumbass me me so yeah dude, uh... i'm really glad you could yeah i'm really glad you could come on that was really fun that was awesome and uh, yeah, bro, I really appreciate you coming on, dude. I, and, uh, and like I said, like I like to ask all my guests if um, if after your next fight or two fights, we, we we would love to have you back on and kind of see what's been going on from now until then. If that was cool with you, definitely, yeah, definitely, man. Awesome, I really appreciate it. So, uh, for everybody here at Combat Sports with Rado, uh, Jordan, thanks so much for being on, and we look forward to your next fight, sir. Thank you. I'm UFC fighter Jordan Griffin, a.k.a. Native Psycho, and I went 10, 10 rounds with Rhino. Dude, that was so much fun. I, it just it never gets old talking to these fighters. I, I mean, I just I love it so much. It's always so interesting. Everyone is um, obviously doing the same thing. We're all we're all they're all doing the same sport, but such a diverse backgrounds and everybody such different reasons as to why they got into it, how they got into it. Uh, everyone has just such different stories and it always keeps it so interesting and i'm so appreciative that these these guys and girls take time out of their schedules to talk with me man i just i love it so very much and i'm gonna keep bringing them on and keep bringing the content for you guys another great 10 rounds with rhino with my man jordan i can't wait to keep following his career and see what's next for him so we are now going to be diving into our shout outs so thank you so much to my to my uh question people who both called in and wrote in on twitter Raging Sweet Potato, Pokey Mama 91, Phil, Jason, Jim Assoon, Dave Fretz. Once again, at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes. Um, thank you guys so much. Oh, and Cyrus King. Thank you, my man. Cyrus was a little bit of a late entry, but I got him in under the wire because he's my guy. Um, so thank you guys so much for calling in. Thank you so much for uh, to Jordan Griffin for doing 10 rounds of Rhino. Uh, thank you last night for, for Deja for another great watch party. Uh, that was too much fun with the with the Cejudo Dillashaw watch party on last night. That was a lot of fun, as it always is. Of course, to D Reigns and Drea for their participation in making this show happen. Now, as far as my mystery guest for next week, here is your clue. This mystery guest has fought four, yes, four UFC champions, and is a submission victory over one of the best submission artists in the history of not just the UFC, but of the sport of mixed martial arts. So that is your teaser. That is your mystery guest clue for next week's show. We can't wait for you guys to hear today's show. We love, love, love everybody in the Rhino Gang. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Everybody stay uh, socially distanced. Be safe. Have fun. Enjoy life as it is. We know we can. We have adapted to this new normal. I love everybody. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week. Kate's side.